Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash sorgatronmedia. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod, iPhone, or MP3 player. I'm getting awesome. You're getting awesome. We're getting awesome. Yeah, that's what I said now. Guys, awesome cast number 10. We've made it into the double digits. That means we're not a fly-by-night show. <laughs> that's 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 my rule. That's my rule. You make it to the double digits and you are good to go. You're not worried about going away. You have too much time invested. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. I mean, yeah, we've got the graphic. We got we got it early, so it's all good. Of course, I'm your host as always, Mike Sorg, uh, here, Sorgatron Media, uh, with this feature presentation. Or something. Uh, joining me as always is, and I think I put, I think I labeled these wrongs. Is this Rob? Hey, Rob De La Creta, how you doing this week? You're back to old timey colors. I'm back to old timey colors. Uh, we had, to, we had the. Uh, unfortunately, I had to use your camera this weekend to film some wrestling, and now it doesn't want to. Just was it was starting to work. You know, Mike, I always feel like I'm second rung to you. I'm never important enough for color. You're starting to hurt my feelings. <laughs> we, we, you know, if we get you like the old time you had and everything, we can just kind of play the theme. <laughs> maybe I'll just uh, re-render the entire show in black and white as another feed. Maybe, maybe I'll catch on. So how are you doing this week? I am uh, doing pretty good. Uh, I've got a bottle of water. It's uh, purified. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. That's right. That's right. And 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 the the guests that we usually reserve the water for it, or the water. Thanks. The color <laughs> the color for is uh, right over here. Nick Pinkston is joining us. How you doing? Great, great. Good to be on. Of course, Nick, you're the uh, the founder of cloudfab.com and we're going to be talking about in a little bit. How's things going over there? Really busy, but it's good busy. So I'll take that. Excellent. Excellent. We'll begin to that a little bit and I'm going to learn about polymath Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, last year I'm the amateur photographer, so uh, you know I got to learn about that. That was very educational for myself on these shows. So, anyways, of course, as usual, we get right into it, uh, into the news, and right off the bat, Rob, I think you got something lined up here, right? Uh, yeah, the the dev team, the wonderful people over at the dev team, have jailbroken iPhone 4, uh, as well as iPads running uh, iOS 3.2.1. There is now uh, a jailbreak. You might remember a while ago there was a website you could go to that magically jailbroke your phone, and it's back, uh, jailbreakme.com. This isn't like the stuff that we've had to use to jailbreak iPhones for the past, uh, It's uh, wow, it's been kind of a long time since this has worked, um, but you used to have to use things like uh, Black Rain and Red Snow, little kitschy applications that sometimes worked, sometimes didn't, and they had to... Upload firmware, things like that. Instead, um, <clears throat> this is a website. I've actually got it pulled up on my phone right here. It looks kind of fancy. It's very pretty. Let me go ahead and pull that up. I got it in color over here if I can find my mouse. Okay. There um, right there on my 3GS. Yeah. And it's so, cool. yeah, and I'm it impressed. Works. The slider works and everything. I'm wondering what there is. Is, that, is this HTML5 with the slider going on there? I mean, that's kind of impressive. Uh, yeah, I believe <laughs> so. It's got to be HTML5 or Ajax to some degree. Um but it works on um, iPhone 4 and below, so uh, 3GS, 3G, uh, as well as the iPad, like I said. But it uses a, uh, a pretty, it's not a, really a new vulnerability. Um, 
but there's a PDF vulnerability that they're using to make this website work on the phone. So all you do is you go to the website, you uh, slide to jailbreak, and, uh, and then it says give us a minute, and then your phone is jailbroken like magic. Um, downside to this is that if you have to restore your phone for any reason, it will unjailbreak your phone. And the other big downside is that apparently it doesn't work too well. A lot of people are having issues. Uh, it has bricked phones, so be warned. Um, and uh, even though last week we did announce that the Library of Congress said that this is now legal, you are still violating your terms of service and voiding your warranty in the process. Um, so if, if you're into that whole jailbreak thing, um, like we said last week, it seems like, you know, there's only one or two reasons you might actually want to jailbreak a phone. Otherwise, you risk, uh, you know, system vulnerabilities, being unstable, that kind of thing. It still has its bugs, and mm -hmm. apparently this one can brick your phone. But otherwise, it's super easy. You know, give it a shot. See what happens. Hope for the best. Cross your fingers. Considering when I when I had to jailbreak my uh, 2G, it took a little bit of research because uh, there was, like, a discrepancy between, well, 3.3. 1.3 and everything, and you had to grab the 3.1.2, and I didn't know where to find that. I stumbled across it. It took me a couple hours to figure everything out uh, before I finally got it pulled off. And like you know, and again, crossing my fingers, the thing didn't brick on me. Not that I was too worried since it's an old edge phone, but um, yeah, it had gotten pretty complicated for a while. Like I said, you had to like find the the certain version for your phone, and a lot of the interfaces on them were really dumb. Black Rain was pretty good. I'd say if you want if you want to avoid the the web version this whole jailbreak me thing wait for the the guy who develops black rain that's a uh, black rain with a with a one instead of an i uh his application is you download one application and you like click go and it just works it's like magic yeah and i think you're gonna have an easier time finding these here in the near future because of the the library of congress uh word on that so yep people aren't as uh, afraid to come out with this stuff anymore yep um, let's see here. I lost my stuff. Google, those industrious bastards, uh, Google patents search that tracks your mouse movements, according to the register. Um, yeah, you know, these, this, this, so, so I think the worry here is that, uh, whenever we go on a Google website or whatever website, they're going to be tracking exactly what we're clicking on, mm -hmm. um, to a point. Um, and, and and the whole idea that uh, your mouse basically follows, you know, subconsciously where your eyes go on the page, you know, which is uh, I can see how this is important for UI development, you know, uh, for web web developers and everything, especially how you know technical they are over at Google. Um, but uh, it, they're dubbing it a, a system uh, and method for modulating search relevancy using pointer activity monitoring. So. Uh, Lots of technical stuff, lots of technical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically the tech isn't, isn't really new. I mean, heat maps in uh, UI development, which is basically uh, showing maps that, that uh, display where the user is most likely to hover their mouse. Um, mm -hmm. There's plenty of scripts you can get that'll do this. But what Google is doing is applying this information to, to search. So uh, say you would bring up, you, you would search for bananas, and even though the first link is Chiquita Banana, you scroll down to, like, research on bacteria inside bananas. That gets taken when your mouse, like, sort of floats down the page and goes down to that and sits on top of that. Those, that half-second unconscious real moment 
uh, is what they'll be contributing to future search results to things they know about your anonymous user profile in, uh, in Google search and that kind of thing. Uh, so it's just another way to collect information. There was actually a, a conversation I overheard at work this week that, that kind of blew my mind, but I guess it's an example of how the tech bubble as far as knowing about tech is still relatively small. There's this guy I was working with who was explaining in amazement about how he was uh, searching for something to do with kayaks, and then he went to go buy kayaks, and what do you know, they recommended kayaks before he even searched for anything. <laughs> and it blew his mind. It blew his mind, and he <laughs> swears that the man is watching his every move and oh, will come down there. on him at any moment, and it's it's really kind of kind of amazing. Um, this hasn't caused too much of, a, of an outroar, this, uh, this uh, mouse movement monitoring thing, but uh, the usual privacy people who are super paranoid about it are... Voicing their concerns, but realistically, you're not going to lose any any kind of personal data you're not already giving out. Yeah. So it's nothing really to be concerned about. I'd say uh, thumbs up for more accurate search results. Yes, and, and and Google doesn't do evil things, so so we're all safe, right? <laughs> oh um, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, um, I, what, what your uh, anecdote there reminded me of. Isn't there a story that came up in the last week or two where uh, a woman was uh, suing, I think, Facebook because of they thought the stuff coming up in the ad space on the right was a little too personal. <laughs> I, I didn't hear about that, actually. It was, it was somewhere somewhere along the line I overheard that. But anyways, moving on. And there was, uh, there was the other thing that came up uh, last oh, week. Yeah. Uh, the um, the quote-unquote hacker who basically scraped a whole lot of public data off of Facebook and stuck oh, it in the torrent. the giant Facebook torrent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was this big concern, and it made like the nightly news on local channels and things like that. And all he did was make uh, a large amount of information that's already available on the internet um, available on the internet. So he didn't really do anything. <laughs> so so uh, he made the national news by developing the world's most useless torrent. Yes. Fantastic. So congratulations, whoever you are. Congratulations, <laughs> you have my admiration. Awesome. Um, next up. Uh, this has made uh, a bit of buzz in the light of the iPad, the $500 Apple device. Kmart, you know, when you think about really high-tech, fancy touch devices, you go right to Kmart, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. So Kmart uh, has paired up with uh, um, hmm, Augen. Augen? I mean, it's a household name. I should totally know how to say it. Um, Augen. I'm going to go with Augen. The Augen Gen Touch 78 uh, is $149. Uh, 7-inch screen, and um, let's see, Android 2.1, 800 megahertz processor. No, no matter where I see it in pictures, it has got to be the ugliest-looking backdrop <laughs> I've ever seen. I mean, it looks like the thing is, like, 16-bit color. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's pretty bad. It kind of reminds me of, like, a Windows 98 screensaver. <laughs> um yeah, there's there's not a whole lot to say about it. I mean, it's got a... I can't find it here. I think it's 256 megs of RAM. Um, it doesn't really I have a think, GPS or camera it, or a SIM card, and it's an 800 by 480 pixel screen. And I, I don't think it officially can get on the Android Marketplace. I think there's supposed to be a hack for you to get into that. So where are they going with this? Like, who is this for, you know? It's, it's for... <laughs> No offense to anybody that shops at Kmart, but this tablet is for people who shop at Kmart. <laughs> it's for people that shop at Kmart and think it's like an iPad by the fraction of the price, I guess. 
Exactly. I mean, it's a cheap knockoff of something that's become very popular. We're certainly going to see, you know, HP is coming out with their tablets and uh, and everybody else. We're going to see a huge rollout, especially before the holiday season this year. But this is, I I question whoever told Kmart this was a good idea because it's also slightly above the regular price point. You'd think somebody would drop on a random thing. I mean, even even the Kindle is having trouble at their new hundred fifty dollar price point. Come on, guys. <laughs> I think. Uh... Yeah, I, I, I mean, this. I had this conversation the other day with somebody. It was like, okay, so they're owned by Sears, who we know has been on the forefront of technology over the last few years. Absolutely, um, of oh, lawnmowers. Yeah. Oh, Go yeah. On. I mean, we couldn't figure out that the catalog was dead. Um, so, you know, this, this, this had to have come through their, like, consumer electronics division, you know, and they're like, oh, we'll put, it's a cheap, it's like the iPad, we'll, we'll push it off to Kmart over here, and... Uh, I really hope that they like accidentally sunk a tanker full of these things, and they had to s get rid of them somehow. I I don't even know. One laptop per child. Yes, there you go. That's what I, I think. Say. That's a valid use, man. Yeah. If you're if you're looking for that really cheap device, and hey, kid, play with this instead of my iPhone, you know. Yeah, I mean that that's not too bad because uh, a lot of people have been using their iPads as uh, as toys for their kids because toddlers mm -hmm. love the iPad. Uh, why not get one of the uh, Augen, Augen Gen Touch 78s? Get some, uh, you know, do the hack so you can get on the marketplace, download some games, give it to your kid for Christmas. There you go. We found out. We figured it out. This is the secret plan. <laughs> uh, kind of a side note, because I, I do see something I mentioned in here. Have you seen the Dell Streak yet? No. It's, uh, it's, I think it's a 7-inch screen, and they're labeling it as a tablet, even though it's a phone. Uh, and it's going to be uh, supposedly it works on the AT&T network. Yet I've seen stories where they're going to be blocking it on the AT&T network for some reason. So oh. um, yeah, it kind of looks like a like a PSP almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does actually. That it, it really does. There's a um, I think there's a preview on App Judgment or something, or maybe I'm uh, confusing that with the Droid. I, I saw a preview somewhere. But, yeah, it looks like there's uh, a no, there's yeah. a bunch of videos of it up now. CNET has it, but yeah, it totally just looks like a little. Like, I'd call it a media player before I'd call it a tablet. <laughs> yeah, it really seems like it's, it, I mean, it's. it seems like the step up from maybe the Evo or something as far as the, uh, you know, let's stick a giant brick in our pocket and call mm -hmm. it a phone. Uh, but <laughs> you're going to need a fanny pack for that thing. So. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, see, we kept light on the iPhone stuff today. We did. Um, but we're still a phone show, apparently. Um, I mean, we, we could. We could stretch the iPhone 4 if we really we wanted could. to, but I we're mean, doing I everybody mean, a favor. You uh, get a week off from the I mean, iPhone. You know, but next week, special iPhone 4 edition nonstop I, the know, whole just, way just through. Just to make up for all you guys and, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, and all of our new Russian uh, watchers. Um, <laughs> it's like, there's some web app stuff I've been looking at, but we'll just hold that away. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and this uh, I, iPhone Life magazine, look at that. It's paper. It's paper. We'll talk about that some other day. Um, but BlackBerry wants to remind us we're st they're still around. Um, today they had the announcement for BlackBerry 6, um, and they're going to be exclusive to AT&T. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking at the, the details here. I didn't get a chance to see any, any in-action video, but it does look like they're finally... So a little bit kind of updating the system. I mean, they've only been completely behind in the UI world for like uh, nine years. So it's, I'm glad they're updating. 
Uh, browser support for HTML5, universal search functionality, social network aggregation. I'm not a fanboy, but it sounds a lot like iOS 4, Wi-Fi, but I digress. Wi-Fi-powered media sync with your desktop music collection. Yeah. Yeah, web, WebKit HTML5, like you said. Uh, like I said, I watched a little bit of the usability video that they have over here on Engadget, and uh, it they have the multi-touch. Somebody's yep. going to get sued. Um, yep. pretty sure. Uh, but you know what? BlackBerry never, and that, you know, I played with the storm. Like, we've had a couple of storms at work. I, I, I've just, the interface has not really impressed me. You know, no, I mean, me either. I mean, they're big on this, this black, you know, on, you know, white on black, uh, interface. And it seems, eh, it's just not smooth. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of the commentary is like, well, they're trying to be, you know, there's not really much for innovation. They're kind of, Playing, it, look, it looks like they're playing catch up with everybody. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, now we have Twitter. Now we have this. Now it's it looks a little bit better. You know, and uh, and the big thing is the uh, BlackBerry Torch. I think is the main phone that's going to be on AT and T, which I think is a touch device. Let me see if I can bring that up. It's for lighting fires, obviously. Oh yeah, so you can, you know, light your way through a cave. Um, it's actually uh it's a slider with a uh with the usual blackberry keyboard mm-hmm. uh let's see four gigs of storage four and a four gig micro s d four eighty by three sixty touch screen display five hundred twelve megs of uh rom and ram quad band three g and um two hundred bucks for the torch you know, and, and this is something I've been noticing lately. Of course, uh, I think I think both of us watched the 404. Uh, they've been having a BlackBerry Messenger angle on there lately. Uh, the commercials have been all over the place uh, about BlackBerry messaging, so which is a, kind of a curious angle because I've only heard about BlackBerry messaging kind of in pass uh, with certain people not wanting to go away from their Blackberries because then like, oh, but everybody I message is on here and it's free as opposed to texting. And it was like, okay, so to me, it's like BlackBerry got down the instant messenger. Yeah, it seems so. I haven't used it myself, but I've talked to a few people, and it's based on a really weird extensive addressing system that creates like this basically um, proprietary messaging system. Um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the people who are attracted to Blackberries are people who have just had them their entire lives, and they're just used to them. Blackberries certainly aren't devices that you can hand to uh, a random stranger and say, "Here, try and use this," and they'll be able to do much more than make a phone call, if that. And I and I understand the appeal for businesses. Uh, I know I know a few people in IT is you know they're like, "Well, this is what we roll out. It's the easiest for us to do it on uh, because yeah. of the tools they have." Um, and, it's and also it's also the most secure. I mean, I really feel one secure. of the reasons that BlackBerry mm-hmm. has has held so strong. It still holds an incredibly large amount of the market share. Uh, in the mobile space is because of its security. Um, it's basically the only platform to standardize its, sec- its security, and once that happened and the U.S. government picked it up in contract, uh, that that was it. They basically started leading the market from henceforth, and if the U.S. government can do it, everybody else can do it. So all the corporations picked up on it, too. It's got, um, you know, great exchange support and all that good stuff. So it's a standard, and everybody likes the standard, and peanut butter and jelly is really good. It's like the Windows NT of the phone market. Yes. <laughs> it, it's safe and and relatively hard to break, so why would you want something new? Exactly. In fact, so secure. So secure that um, BlackBerry services will be halted 
in the United Arab Emirates. Why? Because it's too secure. Um, the UAE basically has a policy where it's totally cool for you to use a service in, um, in their states as long as they have technology that can uh, monitor the data transactions that are happening. And they can't quite figure out how to hack the BlackBerry, so they've decided that they will shut down the BlackBerry services in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, they're uh, imposing a ban, talking about it on local news, and there really hasn't been much talk except for the fact that... Uh, I mean, the thing is, like, if you get a contract out of out of the area, it's still going to work, is the funny thing. Okay, so, so now you said down, shutting down services, so they're not... There's no way for them to shut down, like, BlackBerry Messenger isn't going to work over this network. Kind of thing. Yeah. It's basically just that um, within the area... Uh, I'm trying to get some details here. Uh, in their current form, certain BlackBerry services uh, will allow users to act without any legal accountability, causing judicial, social, and national security concerns. I was going to say, because if uh, TED ever does their... Uh, their was, it, was it like TEDx in Dubai or something they did the one time? Uh, there'd be a lot of angry people going that way. Yeah, there was TEDx Dubai um, like a year ago, I think. Uh, they did say this is going to be resolved. Um, uh, doo -doo -doo. These are issues that have been brought up in other con countries uh, where they've found a solution, and there's no reason to think they won't do the same here, um, except uh, they haven't had any problem with any other device except for the BlackBerry. So at the very least, it's going to impose a, uh, a limited time um, or impose a restriction for a certain amount of time in the area. Um, that's about it. I don't know. There you go. United it's, Arab Emirates, not getting the BlackBerry Torch yeah. anytime soon. Sorry. Apparently it's, it's been under, <laughs> under discussion for three years, and now they're in that, so they've been hacking at it for three years, and they haven't been able to figure it out. So, um, that's it. There you go. For the time being, Kaputskis. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, of course, uh, we're going to be talking here with Nick about a cloud fan, what's going on here in Pittsburgh, uh, business-wise there, and uh, we'll learn a few things. But first, let's do a real quick toss-out to our sponsor, Audible.com. Of course, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash Media, where you are entitled to one free audiobook. Cancel anytime. Give it a shot. If you're listening to the podcast, it's one step away from that, and it's just as addictive. Um, this week we, we like, we like to do a pick every week and I, I started going back through the catalog and I pulled out the second audiobook I ever listened to, um, Ooh. never eat alone and other secrets to success. One relationship at a time. I still eat alone at my desk, unfortunately, because, you know, I just can't. <laughs> because eat. nobody likes you. Because nobody likes me. That's, that's it. Um, there's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of people, uh, uh in Mount Lebanon. Um, to hook up with, except for my life. Um, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> about Keith Ferrari, a lot of really good tips. A lot of, you know, thinking back, it, a lot of a lot of stuff. Um, um, that that kind of become your creed for for how to deal with people. Because like I've always been a big proponent of, uh, you know, if you can do something that a lot of people can't do like you know in my case help them help people with video help people with their websites and everything uh you know without much kind of intention that's something that becomes reciprocated 
you know, and something that 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 helps your uh, your 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 reputation uh, with people in your community and everything. Uh, it, that and a lot of other really cool stuff. Uh, but never eat alone. Keith Ferrazzi, uh, really good book if you're looking to kind of build something or you know, kind of how to deal with uh, people around you a little better. Um, I definitely recommend that. That can be your free audiobook or anything else available on Audible.com, uh, right there, AudiblePodcast.com/slash/SorgatronMedia. And of course, been with us, uh, waiting patiently is Nick. Thanks, Dan. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Good to be on. So you are uh, at CloudFab.com. Uh, explain to the people what you what you guys do there. Okay. Well, I guess um, you know the first thing I should say is, uh, do you guys know what 3D printing is? I know Rob does. Yep. You you make cool things in 3D. I mean, is this like? It's, it's <laughs> I'll just show you. I have some models here. Awesome. So like, this is actually a cat scanned object, and that was then printed in resin. And these are like, you know, these teeth are actually made of a different material than the jawbone itself. Oh, wow. Um, you know, you can do like moving parts. This is the infinitely folding business card. You know, <laughs> um, you can basically make anything out of plastic, metal, um, glass, rubber. And uh, what our website does is, since this equipment is really expensive and hard to get at, we basically provide an interface um, that allows you to kind of plug into these um, resources without actually having to deal with anything. Just like cloud computing makes it so you don't have to own any servers to access computing. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of like a uh, it's, it's it's 3D printing for the masses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the democratization of the factory in many ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, now you're. So, so, so uh, a new term when I when I was introduced to you, uh, uh, thanks to Alan Beek, uh, was uh, to me is polymath. Uh, can you explain okay. to me what what polymath is? Uh, I stopped the calculus. So yeah, <laughs> well, you know, um, it comes from the Greek poly, many, and then mathos, meaning knowledge, and uh, it's something that I sort of aspire to. Um, it's sort of a lofty um, goal. I mean, like you know, Da Vinci is the prototypical polymath, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, strictly, you should be able to make contributions to a formal field, you know, like, say, chemistry and maybe music, um, two just very different fields. Um, and there's certainly some modern people who can claim that, but it's very difficult to do. Um, but it's certainly something I aspire to. Excellent, excellent. Now, uh, now I, I know I've seen your name before because you are an Alpha Lab company. Yeah. I uh, came out of there, of course, with a, a great local uh, incubator for businesses in, a, in the technology fields. Uh, in the area, uh, so uh, t- tell us how how it was. Uh, you know, what was your experience with Alpha Lab, and uh, and, and you know, and what what, what kind of help did you get out th- out of that? Yeah, Alpha Lab is awesome, um, and I think probably uh, and other people probably even more than me. I knew Jim and the other advisors beforehand, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is just you know getting their help. Um, you know, the money is really nice. We actually had other investment um, beforehand. So we weren't doing it, you know, partially for the investment and partially to have, you know, the experience of going through the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they kind of take you through from, you know, if you don't know exactly where your market is or you don't know exactly how you're going to attack it, um, they help you with that. And then they help you on the actual investor pitch side of it as well. So the overall experience is sort of like, you know, startup boot camp in some ways. Anything that really uh, kind of surprised you uh, as an entrepreneur going through there? Let's see. Um, you know, uh, the one thing is I am probably a, a good talker, but I'm not a good pitcher. And so mm-hmm. I don't really uh, enjoy the, uh, the investor pitches that much. Um, I know I scared all the guys over there because um, on, on my demo day, the day before, they were all scared when I pitched it to them and I rewrote the entire thing. And then the day of, it went really well. 
but um, that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like it's like a course in uh, public speaking on top of all of that. Yeah, well, you know, I'm actually fine with public speaking. I just don't like giving fixed pitches. I'd much rather just get up there and talk. Mm-hmm. 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 Excellent. But uh, not possible with the uh, the format. <laughs> so, uh, as somebody that came up uh, in in the Pittsburgh area and everything, uh, so how how is the? It's it seems like I'm hearing more and more about entrepreneurial communities coming up, uh, networking opportunities. Uh, how how's the community been? You know, it's interesting. So when I started off, uh, I started exploring startups in Pittsburgh when I was like a junior in, uh, in Pitt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and back then, you know, you had Entrepreneurial Thursdays and you had some sort of more, more of just business salesy networking events. Um, and then there was the Enterprise Forum, the MIT one. But all of it was sort of, um, sort of corporate. Mm-hmm. And ever since like Alpha Labs come out and then there's been Open Coffee Club that Meek and Becker, Alan up there, um, started along with Innovation Works. We've started to have like a lot more of these events popping up. And I actually maintain a, a calendar of all of them. Um, it's called pghtechevents.com. And, um, the whole, there's probably 40 different groups now that meet from all these obscure languages. I mean, there's like a, you know, a jQuery meetup group to a Ruby brigade. Um, to all the different flavors of startup culture, um, whether it's build guilds, startup drinks, open coffee club, it's an awesome community, and it's just getting larger. Yeah, it seems like, uh, especially, uh, I'm really involved with the PodCamp social media stuff, and and I, a lot of that's been bleeding over into the Hack Pittsburgh, uh, into into the Build Guild, and that's where kind of where where a lot of I, I think thanks to maybe the cross section of of Affalab, there seems to be a lot of kind of joining up there. Yeah, I mean, between, I think between PodCamp and Alpha Lab, those are sort of driving forces, and a lot of this is sort of brewing around. I mean, Alpha Lab isn't as much social media. PodCamp obviously is, so mm-hmm. it, there's obviously a lot of uh, overlap between the crowds. But it's getting really frothy right now in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening. Definitely, definitely. Uh, now, uh, I've had this discussion a few weeks ago with, with, a few, with some people, uh, but another Alpha Lab company, uh, I think Resumator is the name, uh, something that really blew my mind, uh, uh, I think late last year this came up, uh, Jason Calacansis this week in startups uh, had a, has a call-in segment where uh, entrepreneurs can call in and get advice. And the first advice he, he gave the resumator was get out of Pittsburgh, get to yeah. LA, get to New York, <laughs> which blew my mind. Like, you know, you, you know, as a Pittsburgh guy, you know, I took offense to it. I, I know there's a lot of stuff happening here. There's a lot of opportunity here. You know, the, the cost of living and the cost to do things here is a lot better. Um, what, what do you have to say to that kind of opinion? Which, I, unfortunately, it, it seems like it's a, it's a really prevalent opinion. If you really want to get anything accomplished, you need to go to the hubs on the east or the west. Well, you know, I, I can see it from both sides. I mean, um, you know, I was just in L.A. I was in San Francisco before that and Boston and New York. So I, I kind of know the flavor of the cities everyone says you need to flock to. Mm-hmm. It seems like... Um, you know, everyone from San Francisco and the Valley sort of thinks that's the only place you can do startups. And I know, I, I remember I met up with Paul Graham at, uh, at South by Southwest and he was sort of like, screw Pittsburgh. I was in Pittsburgh. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are saying that. And it's certainly there's some interesting money, um, you know, smarter money, I would say, overall than is in Pittsburgh. Um, but Pittsburgh has a great closed community. It's very close. I mean, you're probably like one or two degrees of separation from everyone who works in startups Mm -hmm. here. So you can get established very quickly. It is cheap. And there's a lot of technologists here if you know where to look. So I think we're up and coming. Like we have both the university side and we also have like now, I mean, I guess I just saw the population is just starting to tick up. We're not losing people anymore. Um, I'm, I'm pumped. I think, I think Pittsburgh is doing a lot better. 
Excellent. Excellent. Uh, do you have any uh, kind of advice to other entrepreneurs looking to do something or, you know, on any level? In Pittsburgh? Mm -hmm. Or even beyond, in, 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 basically in any place that isn't the hubs, because I, 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 think, I think we represent a lot of, a lot of kinds of places where uh, that, that technology like this and, 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 and companies like this can, can sprout up that people don't expect. Well, I mean, in certain ways, you need to get to somewhere that has more than, you know, I wouldn't want to do this from the outskirts of a city. I'd much rather do it in, I mean, Pittsburgh is, you know, call it a tier two city. It's not Silicon Valley, but mm -hmm. it's not like podunk in the middle of nowhere. I think you do need a good community. Um, you just don't, you don't have to be, um, you know, in the Silicon Valleys. I think the main thing for me was networking. I mean, almost everything that CloudFab has done so far was only possible with me just meeting a lot of people. And that's why I started in college was I knew I didn't know a lot of people because I got a mentor, Dave Mawinney, an amazing guy, um, and he's just been helping me the entire time, um, you know, with personal development and, you know, business development. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Rob, you have anything? Uh, yeah, I actually wanted to bring this full circle back to CloudFab. I've got some, uh, some geekier questions. Sure. Um, when it comes to being on the manufacturing side, uh, for those of you who don't know, I work at a company who has... Uh, the largest amount of rapid prototyping machines in the country and, uh, and things like that. And for someone, for like say it's my company and I wanted to get involved with CloudFab, what sort of processes am I looking at? Like is there a, a software kit I'd be getting for you for, from you for you to contact my machines or is there a middleman involved? So, I mean, CloudFab has algorithms that we developed that basically take the, uh, the 3D files that come in and then we can price them according to your, you know, say, pricing. So you'd give us, you know, what you charge per time, per cubic inch, um, for the materials, that kind of thing. And um, we estimate based on shipping and then all those, um, you know, all those variables and actually output the price. So we don't have to talk to the machines. We're sort of simulating what the machines do. Okay. So then I would basically receive like a work list and then I'd print it up, ship it out, and you guys would pass? Yeah, of a sort. So basically how it works is, so, you know, Joe Blow, who wants a prototype, uploads a file to, and, and specs on CloudFab. That's then sent to everyone who can do it, and then, you know, if they, if they have auto-quoting enabled, it'll just give them quotes. If they want to manually quote it, then quotes come later. Um, and then the buyer sees those quotes on their side. On the other side, the sellers can see everyone they're bidding on, and if they win them, it goes into the, you know, the make this pile. And then, um, you know, it'll have a turnaround time and we, are, we take the money up front. So you see the money there and you're like, okay, now I can make this. And then after a few days, um, we wait for them to approve the parts and make sure they're made right. And then we say, okay, go ahead, give them the money. So it's usually like three weeks um, from turnaround of money. Cool. And, uh, and I know you guys were looking into other means of fabrication like laser cutters and things like that. You want to talk like that for a minute? So, I mean, uh, right now we focus on additive mainly because all the technology we developed is around estimating for additive and getting people on additive. And there's people doing like, um, you know, Pinoco right now, they do laser cutting um, as a service very similar to what we do as um, 3D printing as a service. And so, you know, I think that there's a good community now um, with all the different processes. So you've got, you know, us for 3D printing, Pinoco for laser cutting. You've got Big Blue Saw for water jet, um, you know. And there's a few other places that do machining. So there's an interesting community coming up. I think that as we progress, the, the people will start to, I think there's going to be common standards for how we handle this. But that's something that the, uh, the mass customization industry is still sort of struggling with, or uh, our standards for files, that kind of thing. Cool. And uh, do, you, do you think, like, taking, 
taking a look at the sort of users that are interacting with CloudFab, does it seem like it's more of the uh, the home hacker type or more like uh, small small shops looking for prototypes? Well, so I guess the most money we make are from like business contracts. You know, they're the ones who ordered parts worth thousands of dollars and make a lot more money on them. Um, but on the other side, we do get hobbyists asking for, you know, pen holders and stuff. I get some of the suppliers are like, do they really want this pen holder for, you know, $20 <laughs> or something? Right. Um, and yes, they do. So, um, you know, we really concentrate more on business right now, but we're getting into sort of a developer area where you can start plugging your website into CloudFab and sourcing directly through us. Sound, sounds like you guys have, uh, have pretty much covered the field. Is there any, uh, like, really serious competitors to CloudFab, or are you guys all alone out there? Um, so as far as, like, having a system to source like this, um, we're pretty much alone. There's some people around it, certainly. Like, there's some shops that if you need, like, really fast printing, um, you know, you can call them, and then they'll, like, manually do it. Um, and we just did a big project like that, but it's not, like, what we like to do. We like to have it all on autopilot. Um, there's other companies like Shapeways that do 3D printing, and they're sort of like a social network where people post designs, and you can say, yeah, I like that, and then they'll print it. Um, we're more of an abstracted, like you could make Shapeways based on CloudFab, basically. Right, right. Um, so there's, it's, the space is sort of heating up right now. There's a lot of people coming in. There's a lot of Me Too type companies. Right. But none uh, that are really in CloudFab's position. Do you see... Uh, do, do you feel any kind of competition you might get from, uh, like, HP is uh, going to release the sub-$1,000 home rapid prototyping machine, and I, and I know that Dimensions uh, patents just expired this year, I think. Uh, do you think the, the home prototyper and the maker bots and things like that are eventually going to move into this space, or do you feel like you guys are pretty cement for a while? I think that, I mean, really the issue is, is MakerBot is sort of, uh, you know, Altair, you know, in this whole thing. You know, it's a very early version of a, of a 3D printer. The problem with 3D printing that's not analogous to, you know, inkjets, you know, what people usually compare them to, is that, you know, you wouldn't make a book on an inkjet, you know. You, you probably wouldn't. You'd print out documents that are right. used in day-to-day -day things. Um, MakerBots are great for printing, you know, trinkets and whatnot out of one material in a very refined way. Um, but they're really not good for products overall yet. You have, it's very intensive, and I don't think the average uh, customer is really ready for having one in their house and really having any purpose to do so. And the HP one, that's not sub thousand dollar. That's fifteen thousand dollars. Is it? Um, I thought it was cheaper yeah. than that. Yeah, the HP ones are um, they're rebranded dimension machines. That's all they are. They're just U prints. Um, they have one that works color, which is just a cartridge issue. Um, I see the HP deal as sort of the industry is getting more mature. We're attracting large customers, but it's, it's really a different market. Like the people who are going to use a U-print um, and even MakerBot, they're practitioners. They're people who are makers to engineers, and they want to build stuff for their own merit. I think that, you know, my mom's not going to have one of these, um, you know, for probably a good 10 years at least. Um, just because, you know, you can't print an iPhone out of it. You have to still have the circuit boards and different materials and all the assembly. Um, I don't think that's really in the space of what the MakerBot and, and any of the HP units can do. Um, so that's why I think CloudFab allows you to access a lot of different forms of manufacturing so we can make this custom stuff in the cloud where it's actually cheap to spread the cost over everything instead of, like, you know, one on your desk. Um, I think there's room for both. Like, we're certainly going to see more design shops with 3D printing in-house but they're going to be ordering more parts because generally what you see is, is when someone gets a, um, a 3D printer, they tend to recognize the value of all 3D printing and they start buying parts from the very expensive machines too. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what kind of uh, what kind of range of machines do you guys have access to? Do you have the the really fine like the the, the laser gel machines and things like that? Or are you working mostly with ABS and and uh, and plastics and things like that? We do the entire gambit. I mean, there's a, there's a company that does you know powdered metal that you know goes into a solid metal. We do that. Um, we do it both in the laser variety and the printing variety. We do do the gel stuff, Objet and Projet, where you can get you know this is. Uh, you know, this thing is, is sort of the most modern technology like that. It's called Objet. Um, you know, th this is another technology. This is uh, basically a nylon powder with glass fiber in it, and it's very strong. It's used in jet aircraft um, for the air systems. It's used in cars already. Um, and this is sort of the metal, if you can see this. This is actually a pull from a, uh, a drawer, and it's made out of stainless steel and bronze. So we have access to pretty much anything. Um, the only thing we don't do is bioprinting which is uh, where you print stem cells. That's still pretty early on. <laughs> right, right, right. Cool. Thanks. Sounds sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome. I'm actually taking off tomorrow for Portland to this design conference, and uh, it's all on DIY design and how it interacts with, you know, more formal industrial design. So it'll be very interesting to see what, uh, you know, what everyone thinks of the practitioners and the amateurs coming together. Excellent. Cool. Do you see anything like uh, on the horizon, like new new features or ideas you might be implementing into CloudFab? Yeah, there's actually some stuff we can't talk about. <laughs> it's uh, pretty big in like a month from now. But um, basically, everything now is is how do we get this into the hands of just general people? Like, I want my mom to be able to access 3D printing, and so building the bridge between you know what my mom wants and what CloudFab can make. That's really the next um, you know the next. Everything we're doing in CloudFab Next, that's it. Wow. Cool. That's crazy. Yeah, it's going to be good times. It's, uh, it's, exciting, uh, it's exciting in the, uh, in the world today. <laughs> Excellent. And that's, uh, if people want to check you out, that's uh, cloud, cloudfab.com. Uh, yep. Anything else you want people to check out? Of course, there's that, uh, uh, I've been looking at here, the uh, pghtechevents.com, which is exactly what I've been looking for. <laughs> Nice yeah, a lot of like people that. are wondering, you know, what tech is going on. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had all these events, and everyone kept asking me how I knew about them. So I said, you know, I'll just throw a Google embed up there. Um, and that's not even all the events. I ran into the uh, the limit of what Google would allow me to do. Oh, really? Yeah, because I know there's like a PGH Geek Nights I don't see on here. Um, yeah. I, I, the Entrepreneurial uh, Thursdays. Uh, but but there's a lot of stuff even you know I haven't heard of yet. So yeah, I I hadn't looked awesome. at this before. This wow. <laughs> We're actually putting this site together called uh, PGH Startups, which is going to have um we already have a, a working copy of the map, and that'll have like pins all over of every startup in town and all these startup resources, and then we'll have a list of all the entrepreneurs and the technologists in the area. Um, so everyone can say you know it's like Pittsburgh bloggers. You know we want to have the thing for startups. Excellent, excellent. And there you go again. A little bit of the networking merging from uh, the our pod camp all the way to Alpha Lab. Uh, totally. So, excellent. Um, uh, where you uh, do you have a Twitter or anything you want to toss out there? If people want to check out what you're up to. Yeah, sure. I mean, CloudFab is just at CloudFab, and then uh, at Nick Pinkston is uh, my personal one. Awesome. So keeping it simple. Awesome. Thanks a lot. We we hope to be talking to a bunch of people doing really cool things here in town. Uh, because definitely uh, there's a lot happening here in Pittsburgh, and I, I think a lot totally. of people don't hear about it. So, I think you should come over to Start Uptown, which is you know this space we're in right now. Oh. We've got like I don't know eight companies in here or something. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of activity that I don't think people are hearing as much about, but a lot going on here. We'll have to uh, we'll, ha we'll have to talk. <laughs>
<laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, check them out, cloudfab.com, of course. Um, and uh, I think that's all we have for this week, Rob. Yeah. Uh, so uh, where where people, what, what, are you, what are you up to uh, coming up for people? To um, well, uh, let's see. We are, uh, we are hot on the heels of PodCamp Pittsburgh 5. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Uh, looks like I, I wasn't too sure about the kind of events we were going to have, or the kind of sessions, rather, because it seemed like we were getting a lot of emails from, uh, you know, the, the self-serving SEO types who wanted to just talk their goods. <laughs> Uh, but it looks like uh, we've got we're going to have a lot of um, discussion panels, kind of like what we had last year in the uh, IP debate that Nick was a part of. Yeah, uh, had one of those today. Nice. It's <laughs> all the time. Ever since the IP debate, PodCamp is awesome for that. And that's all. All those uh, all those videos are up on uh, PodCampPGH.blip.tv, including the infamous IP debate and a few other more famous and infamous. Uh, items from last year what's that yeah. address again i need to check uh, this out podcampgh.blip.tv uh, okay. basically everything that we got off of vivo uh, vivolive.com they're another great alpha lab uh yes. startup uh great guys there spike down uh, spike down there is really awesome we're going to see about getting them involved again this year uh to do that but there are god i don't even know how many videos we put together from that uh most of the sessions from all except maybe room e are up there yeah uh, awesome that that we could recover you know, as long as nobody turned it off by accident in their room. Uh, but we're going to be fixing that this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to fix a lot of um, things. And, of course, and uh, uh, I did my, uh, I had my session on uh, Creative Commons last year, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what I'm going to do this year. But I, I've, I've kind of been instructed that I need to do something. So we'll, we'll see what comes out of that. But, um, yeah, everybody should check it out, podcamppittsburgh.com. Uh, it's September, what is it, 18th and 19th? September 18th and 19th, registration just opened, and the number I heard for registra- registrants is over 200 so far, three days later. Awesome. So, really? Yeah, we're capped yeah. at 600, and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, not only percent that comes up, but uh, but yeah, get get it in if you're looking to come to PodCamp Pittsburgh, if you're interested out there in the tech community and want to uh, uh, drop a session in, uh, get a hold of them over podcampisberg.com. All the information is right there. Yeah, uh, so uh, we have that coming up. I have uh, Bike Fest coming up this weekend. I have uh, the big light show ride that I mentioned a few weeks ago. So I've got a got a whole big box full of EL wire and all sorts of batteries and electronics <laughs> and things. I got to strap that all together. So uh, it's it's going to be a busy few weeks coming up there. Uh, but if you want to hear about the random boring things that I'm doing. I'm on the internet. You may have heard of it. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at R-O-B-J-D-L-C and on the internet in general at uh, R-O-B-J-D-L-C.com. Excellent. Got that up there Sweet. for the video, guys. And, of course, uh, I'm over at Sorgatron.com. All the fun stuff we do here is at SorgatronMedia.com. Follow me Twitter at Sorgatron. I like to talk about things. Uh, we're going to be talking about <laughs> my, uh, my recent trip to Cleveland. Uh, for the big resolution show where I got to see uh, how a sports channel does wrestling events. It's very, it's going to be very interesting to, to compare notes. So we'll be, we'll be talking about a little bit of that tonight on the Wrestling Mayhem show. And of course, uh, over on the blog, I know I'm due to put a PodCamp uh, post up in this next week, so look out for something show, social media-y. And I've been, I've been akin to do a lot of, uh, uh, I'm doing this week in Swordcast on my, on my blog. 
to kind of uh, sum up what we've done and all the stupid stuff that I do behind the scenes that makes <laughs> me stay up late on Tuesdays trying to fix it. Um, so if for that little bit of entertaining tidbits, go over to the blog and check that out. Uh, otherwise, I think that's it. Of course, check everything out, awesomecast.com. Uh, for all the information, the Facebook page, please comment on us on iTunes. Uh, the video's not up there that, but uh, up on that, but we have links on YouTube and Blip for you to check it out and links to at least subscribe to it in your iTunes. Uh, till then, see you guys next week. This is the Awesome Cast. We're